coaches. This is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterling. What's up, everybody? It's Soccer Chat, long time, no time that we've been back here for you guys. It is the soccer coaching podcast for you, made by you, that we bring to you every single week. Thanks to some good friends of ours, like our good friends over at Dutic Brand. DutikBrand.com. Check them out for all your coaching accessory needs. They just sent out a bunch of the Dutic Brand FC member packages out. I got mine. It's phenomenal. Make sure to check that out, DutikBrand.com. And while you're there, use the promo code SoccerChat and get yourself a sweet discount, all thanks to our man Nick signing up for Dutic Brand FC. Check out Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com for the world's greatest ball pump. Trust us, you're going to love it. It is a fantastic thing. It's going to get you back ready. Once we can pump these balls up again, at some point, we're going to be able to do that again, and you're going to be wanting to use the Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com ball pump to get yourself back into the game. This is a list of support a podcast supported by people just like you who listen to this episode right here. All you've got to do is share out the links when we put them out for you every single week. Let your friends know that you're listening and just tell us what your favorite parts are of the show. You can also help us out by getting on Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a review. Nick's got a wedding coming up within the next year where there's going to be 7,500 people there. I've added 500 people since the last time. Okay. And his, the best gift that you can give him is to go on and give us a five-star rating and review. And then at the end, put like, Nick, here's your wedding gift. Uh, <laughs> also, you can, uh, you can help us out every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Hop on Twitter, use the hashtag soccer chat, and chat with coaches from all over the country. What a great time it's been the last few weeks uh, chatting with, uh, with everybody. We do our college coaches Zoom calls on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, he's Nick. I'm Sean. And Nick, it's been a while. Uh, we really want our Black Lives Matter show to, to really sink in. And uh, I, I think that it has. And obviously, that is not done. Uh, you know, we're still, um, you know, very big advocates for that. We're still, you know, keeping that discussion going. Um, but, you know, now we want to try to get back to normal as much as possible. And we want normal to be where our Black Lives do matter. Uh, and we're back this week with a great interview. And man, just a few minutes ago, the Ivy League makes their announcement. So, of course, I was just saying that. You know that we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, Ivy League just made their announcement that no fall seasons uh, for Ivy League schools. And I feel like, and kind of the sentiment that we, everybody was talking about last night on our coaches' call was that every conference and ev literally everyone was watching to see what the Ivy League was doing. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting. It's just like, it, it it very much felt like the first time in the spring when one went, then it was just a domino effect. And it's and again, we've had a few Division three schools and different schools that have popped up that have canceled their fall respectively. But um, to have a whole conference decide that it's not going, I think is definitely going to make a lot of people take a harder look at their own conferences and how they're going to do things. I mean, our conference just decided to go to – a split season so you're not essentially traveling over two hours to a game like in all the games are going to be out and backs and there we have a call tomorrow to talk about like the protocol that our conference is going to have and then also the protocol in terms of safety that all the schools that you're playing for non-conference must maintain in order to have a thing and I don't know it's going to be like I don't know I think I, I like you said you've been a pretty strong advocate that it's a, you're, you're, you've been worried that this wasn't going to happen for a while. And uh, the more, the more I look at it, it seems, seems like it's just might be an inevitable uh, thing that fall is, uh, it's just, it's good. It's going to be difficult to happen for sure. I'm really pushing. And I know that the first time NAI 
kind of discussed it. They said, absolutely not. I still would like to move our fall to the spring. Yeah. Um, I, I especially, and again, I've said this in John Lipsitz when him and Bobby Papioni were on our show, the kids can be doing all of the fitness stuff that they've wanted to do this summer. It's yep. not going to matter. No, no one is going to be ready to play. No, no one. And I don't care. I know that we've got our division one friends on here, power five schools who are going to, Oh, our players are ready. They're not ready. They, they <laughs> can sit here and tell you that they are. You can sit here and say that you're ready too, but no one is going to be ready to come back. And I think a lot of people are looking at the NWSL. Look how great they've been playing. That's a whole different ball game, whole different ball. Game. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's like I was telling one of my players today who called me and uh, it was like, coach, you know, like, what, what's going to go on? And I said, look, I'll tell you the same thing I've told you from day one. We've got to continue on as, it's, as we're going to go on a schedule, which is what we're kind of getting at this moment. And we've also got to prepare ourselves if it doesn't happen. And I mentioned on a call last night because uh, a lot of people are saying, well, how are you having these conversations? And this is a conversation high schools are going to be having, colleges are going to be having, rec leagues are going to be having you know how do you discuss with the players that hey this might get stopped and the thing that i've said is that uh everybody knows the famous quinn quinn when she's excited for something and it's a long time away she gets really excited and she brings it up every single day leading up to that event and if there's something that she's super excited about and it gets canceled whether it's the day of a couple days before weeks before she gets crazy down in the dumps. I'm the same way. If I'm yeah. really looking forward to something and something gets canceled, I get really bummed out. My wife would probably say I get too bummed out about it. But I can only imagine a team where the discussion was never had about possibly not playing, where it's get ready, get ready, get ready. And if that becomes a reality, so let's throw, let's just say, for example, an Ivy League school or a school um, in a conference that already has said, you know, they're not playing. Those, how many of those coaches have been saying this entire time? We're playing in the fall. Get ready. We're playing in the fall. Now you're getting the opposite. And you're, you yeah. haven't been built to handle if that's the situation. Um, so it, it's, I don't know. This is, that's the, and I said this on, I have said how many times during this pandemic, this is crazy. I just, I've said that phrase so much that, yeah. I, like I said, I've stuck to my guns all along. And I, I've said this before on the show and I'll say it again. For those that think that I don't want to play, you're mistaken. Yes, I want the kids to play. I want them to play, but at what cost? And I just don't see it happening. Um, and I get into the discussion with our men's coach all the time. He's like, you can't say it. You know, I'm like, yeah, I can say that. Like, I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Like you talked about, the measures that your conference are making you guys go through, you now have to do that with not, your, your non-conference schools have to know that, you got, that you're doing that and that they have to do it too. What if there's extra cost to those teams to do whatever it is that you guys are doing? Yeah. Cost of all the testing that's going to get done, all the thermometers, every time that you've got to test somebody or every time you've got to check somebody. Um, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. And I hate saying this, but you know, we've kind of said this before, but I guess it's adults too, but kids are kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, you know, nowadays I saw, I guess in the state of Alabama now, the new thing for parties is it's a COVID party and everybody shows up and whoever gets COVID first, test positive wins the game and i'm like that's dumb that's absolutely uh, dumb i've not heard of that but that's incredibly stupid and, and it's like it's happening everywhere like it's starting to become popular that kids are trying to do this now and i'm not saying that my kids your kids or any of anybody who's listening to kids are doing this but your kids may not be doing it but people they know may be or you know at the same time if i'm coming up to play you you don't know what my team's been doing and i don't know what your team's been doing 
Nope. I just, yeah. I don't know how you can put kids in that situation. And all it's going to take in a college game, a high school game, whatever, is for one kid to get it. There's going to be a lawsuit. We, we know it. And that's going to be the end of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just like another thing that I wanted to bring up and it'll be interesting to see. And again, not trying to be super morbid on this podcast. We, we love all of you guys. Keep listening to us. But did you see Stanford just cut 11 of their varsity sports teams today? Yeah, that's that's insane. And looking at what their like requirements were or like how they gauged that was very interesting to see talking about the history of the program, the history of the program compared to the, the school history and its success factors and kids that they were going to be bringing in over the next couple of years. That was really interesting to see the criteria that they put together on determining what programs they were going to cut. Yeah. Well, it's cause like, like even like men's volleyball, like they've, they've been like, they've had like unsuccessful years, but they like men's volleyball, like also won like a national title. I remember looking in like, 2010 and like was national runner up in 2014 and so it's like they, they still in the last decade have have brought a national title and a national runner up and like that sport's still getting cut um and so you yeah, are you are the soccer chat men's volleyball advocate yes i mean i think we'd just all be more happier people if everyone played a little bit more volleyball in their lives <laughs> It's I just can, like, I feel like a common man's game. I feel like anyone can like pick it up and play some recreational level of volleyball. I don't know. I've seen a lot of recreational volleyball and it's, I'm not I must be watching good, the wrong one. But it's a good workout, especially if you're bad, because then you have to work harder. You're all about this workout thing. We're going to get off that subject. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about it and we've got a little bit of time before our interview. I know that you want to talk about it. So here's your platform. Nick, the floor is yours. What what am I talking about? What kind of fan are you? Oh, Liverpool? I, I wasn't gonna I don't know. I wasn't gonna rub it into people, but And no, by I'm, the way, and by the way, you're welcome. I appreciate it. I'll I'll take my, my twenty seconds to do this, but I I, I was talking about Chelsea winning it for you. You guys did. I mean honestly, we got smacked by Man City four days later. So we wouldn't Which have everybody who, was com- everybody who was complaining about that. I was like, look, if you think for one second, they hadn't been celebrating that. Oh dude. Every day that week. Like, it, honestly, it was, like they were lucky. It was only four. It, it speaks volumes to the fact that like we, we talk, talk about all the time where it's like, we have the 48 hour rule for like all of our sports teams, you know, like there's a reason for that. And honestly, it probably should be more than that. Cause alcohol definitely stays in your system a little bit longer than that. And for sure, like you just looked at them. They were just, I mean, they, had, they were solid for, like, the first 15 minutes. And as soon as that first PK went in, it was, like, they like they couldn't touch him anymore. Yeah, yeah um, who cares? But I did always vow to myself that I wasn't going to be one of those unbearable Liverpool fans when we won. But I am just – I am very excited. Just because, I mean, every one of, the, like, the other big sits outside of, like, Tottenham um, has, like, won a, won a title in the last, like, bit. Even Tottenham – even Arsenal really hasn't, but, like, you guys have, Man City has, Manchester even won it back in like 2013. So it's like, I don't know. It's just kind of nice to like not have people like be able to rub that in your face all the time anymore. Like we've had Champions League and a Premier League in the last like year. And so it's just kind of nice. You'd be like, all right, I don't need, I don't even need to engage the people because they're, they're just being haters right now. If people are just being mean, like asterisk season. I just love like the asterisk season one. Cause it's like, dude, they're, they're up 23 points. Like they, they, like if you look at it now, like, Man City, Liverpool didn't even need to play a game after the break, and they would have won. 
because now Man City can max at 81 points and Liverpool had 82 at the break. And so it's just like you, you didn't even need to play a game and they would have they won this game. So I don't know. I, I don't want to hear any of the Astro season stuff because we, we were up 23 points when the break happened. <laughs> if only all the teams could have played the rest of those games, who would have known what would happen? It would have been just been so funny because like it would have been awesome if Klopp was like, ah, we're good. Like we'll just forfeit all the games or like straight up just play like their youth squad and like still end up winning like on 83 points. <laughs> well, we're happy for you. I know it's it's been a long time coming for you. I, um, I honestly was two years old and was not a Liverpool fan when uh, the last time they won. So, so do you think this could be the end of sports that your Cubs have won the World Series and Liverpool has won a title in your lifetime? Is this the end of the world as we know it? It'll be interesting because now all I need is the Bears. Um, like, cause yeah, all beggars my, can't be choosers. I know, but like then all of my teams have won in my lifetime because I had the Bulls won six, Blackhawks won three. Cubs now won one, Liverpool won one. Like, honestly, like, if I get the Bears, like, that's literally the only team left in my life that I need to win. I don't – we're not at risk of winning it anytime soon. <laughs> you, there's, still, there's still hope for you to cling on to one team that, that doesn't have that opportunity. The Colts will definitely win before the Bears do. We – I tell you what, this isn't a football podcast, but Colts are looking really good for next season. I'm, I'm more confident in you than I am in, in us, for sure. <laughs> Well, we've got an awesome interview this week um, that we actually recorded it right before all the George Floyd stuff went down. And, you know, we didn't want to take away from the George Floyd uh, situation, but we also didn't want to take away from the interview that we had as well. Um, So, you know, that's why we went with the Black Lives Matter show uh, and had that out for the last few weeks just to make sure that people are listening to that one. Uh, And judging by our numbers, it, it seems that you all are. Uh, but we have a really awesome interview this week. It's a lot of fun, and it's going to be probably your next Twitter follower. I guarantee you, as soon as this is over with, you're going to follow this person on Twitter, and you're going to be a much better coach because of it. illustrious guests that we bring to you here on soccer chat and today is none different we have with us a power player we got someone with us who's a magician and someone who i actually took the time today to learn to pronounce their name because i always butcher names and when i saw this one i was like okay for the first time in 140 some odd episodes i'm going to figure this one out we have with us all the way from the Virginia Cavaliers, Miss Ailey Thompson. How are you doing? I am good, thank you. How are you guys? Did I get that right, Ailey? You did. That was an absolute... Yes! 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 And it, yes! And it yes! makes me even feel worse 
because I was here before and I tried to pronounce it and I screwed it up. So what did it makes you say? me feel even worse about myself that you got it right for once and I got it wrong. What did you say? A-lay. Like A-lay. Oh, well, the, well, the pronunciation guide I found was perfect. My so, name. That, was that was excellent. Yep, you guys. <laughs> Nick, you did good. And Sean blew it out to the wall. <laughs> yes! Let's go. Let's go. Well, you know, Ailey, with our, with our show here is, um, you know, we like to talk about your journey, how you got to this point where you're at now, because um, that's kind of how we can know who you are um, as a coach in this moment in time. So if you would just kind of give uh, a, a background on, on how you got to this point now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, uh, a little, uh, little interesting. Uh, sometimes you'll hear it. I definitely uh, grew up in Scotland, moved out here in 2005. I could have swore you had like a Texas, you know, deep South Alabama accent. <laughs> the you accent steered, you steered me differently. Uh, for sure. The accent goes, I do have some words that are very broad Scott and then some other words that are, are super, uh, super American. So um, I played at home um, and started coaching uh, at home at pretty a young age. That um, kind of guided me to, to my coaching journey. Um, I came out for a couple of summers to work some summer camps over here with some of the companies that, you know, bring people from, from over the water to, to coach. Um, and then I decided that this was kind of like what I wanted to do full time uh, coaching um, back in the early two thousands uh, in Scotland, for sure. Uh, female coaches just didn't really get an opportunity. There was no opportunity for full-time coaching or really to get into football in a full-time full -time manner. So uh, I, I came over um, once I graduated university back in Scotland um, with my bachelor's degree. I came over and started uh, working for, for one of those companies. Um, and then quite quickly on, I learned that I wanted to get into to the club game and be able to really coach full time without doing some of the other things that those, those companies kind of needed you to do sale camps and whatnot. So I was very fortunate that during my coaching licenses, I met uh, quite a few people who um, wanted to bring me to part of their club. So I had the opportunity to uh, move to a club in Jersey um, and kind of coach full time. Uh, there and then um, within the club game and just kind of like honing my craft literally just working with three or four different teams um, and coaching every night multiple hours a night uh, then I moved to Harrisonburg Virginia which I'm currently still in a little small town in the Shenandoah Valley um, I was offered a position um, through a mentor of mine to kind of come down and lead the club down here a small club just kind of being able to uh, really put my own footprint on it develop a club develop players um, from the youngest age groups uh, all the way through. Um, and with that, working with a, a pretty diverse um, uh, group of players, uh, we have a big uh, Latino population, a big Middle Eastern population. Um, so that was pretty neat. Um, and I had been working with the club and just continuing to grow as myself as a coach and really as a somebody who was very uh, focused on player development uh, throughout that part of my career. And then I kind of got interested in some understanding a little bit more about uh, different views of the game, using video, using technology. Um, and then um, a good friend of mine, Jaime Frias, who was working with Virginia, um, with the program Virginia, uh, took a job with uh, U.S. soccer full time. And uh, 
and I'm not sure what the conversation was between Jaime and Steve Swanson and the rest of the staff at Virginia, but I got a call from Steve out of the blue um, who just said, hey, listen, I would be very interested in learning a little bit more about you. Would you be interested in meeting with me? Um, and from there, I met with, uh, with Steve and the rest of the Virginia soccer staff. Um, and how do you say no to, to working with that caliber of staff? And so I went to Virginia to start working there fall 2016 as a volunteer coach um, with kind of the idea of taking on uh, the analytics. Um, and from there, it's just grown tremendously. And, and for me, my passion for um, analytics just kind of blossomed and I've kind of stepped away from the, the on the field coaching and I've kind of taken this new, new career path in how do we utilize data and analytics to enhance player development um, and utilize technology to enhance player development and performance um, within the college game based on our schedules and, and, and whatnot. And, um, and that's kind of like how I've ended up here. Uh, we're still with Virginia, but kind of like in a different role. Um, and so, so yeah, getting to, to work with those guys and at the highest level, it's been, it's been awesome. That's, that's really cool. What, like, I, I, I watch your videos and it's more and more impressive to me every single day. And we can talk about that a little bit later, but like, what about your education or background made that something that you were good at and passionate about? Um, it's a great question. My, I have a, a bachelor's degree in um, sports science ask kind of like exercise physiology um but that's definitely not the direction that I, I went in and i do have a master's in sport administration and neither of those have really taken me in a a, a way that would get me into statistics and data um, for me i've been really interested in technology so uh, i like computers i like i'm a problem solver um, and i always try and find ways to uh, solve problems and i've been been fortunate enough that the staff that we're in ask a lot of questions and it's really my job to take all the things that they ask and wonder about and philosophize about and go how do I actually make this a reality so um, for me in regards to some of the stuff that I'm now doing with some some data and some high, some higher level stuff within computer programming it's been oh I google something I like that how do I do it? And then I figure it out. And so um, for me, I don't have a background in computer science. I don't have a background in statistics. Um, I don't have um, a background in even technology. I have, hey, here's a question. I'm really interested in this. What technology is out there that can maybe help it? And Google and Twitter are my best friends when it comes to asking questions. And so I am fortunate enough that I get access, hopefully continuing and we don't lose it, but fortunate enough that I get access to quite a lot of different technology and software. Um, being in the collegiate game um, where there's a big athletic department, we can share um, different softwares and stuff. I get access to some things that maybe a lot of other programs don't. Um, and then as I've kind of grown in that, I'm, I've kind of became somebody who people ask me to beta test their software hey we're trying to do this would you do you want this six months you know 
free trial or a couple of months free trial, let me know what you think about it. So I get to kind of play around with some different things, uh, which is neat um, to help me learn and grow, uh, grow that way. But I don't really have an education in any of it. I just have, oh, I like this. How do I figure it out? And fortunately, I kind of have a knack of figuring out how to use technology in a in a cool way that can help develop our players uh, and and help our program grow. That, yeah, and one of the things I wanted to rewind to because that's so cool. Like when you get that first call, like what was your what was your impression? Like where you're just like you're getting a call of a coach who's been around the block, like he's coached in final fours, national championship games, won ACC titles. Like, I, I mean, it, I know I'd be freaking out. Like, what, what was it like for you getting that call? Um, it, was, uh, it was pretty surreal. Uh, I had to really – I had never really been involved in the collegiate game at any type of level. Um, I did one year with uh, JMU, James Madison, here in Harrisonburg, um, with the previous staff to, that is here now. And uh, – to kind of get my feet wet of what the collegiate game was um, and that kind of piqued my interest a little bit um, and then when Steve had called me um, it, it was really I had to take a step back and go okay this is going to be really really different from from what I've been doing I've kind of been the one that's leading the charge and getting everybody together and going in this direction and now I'm going to kind of come back and be on the the, the bottom of the totem pole and just kind of uh, utilize this as a learning opportunity and the way that I, I reference it for myself when people ask me what my first fall was like it was it was like haven't been in school for six years and then throwing yourself into a PhD in, in soccer and I I was blown away I, I felt like I was pretty knowledgeable about the game and I thought you know what I'm 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 doing okay here and then I went there and I went whoa I don't know anywhere near enough about the intricacies of the game and how things should be done um and it was like uh drinking from a fire hydrant it was overwhelming but i just kind of embraced it um and, and went along with it and immediately started to figure out the software uh we are all big sports code users so that was the first piece of software that i had to learn um and just really jumping in with with uh with both feet and a lot of the times I'm not scared to ask a question, uh, which I think is important. You know, if I don't know something, I will, I will say, can you help me with this? Or what do you think about this? Or why are we doing it this way? Maybe this is an opportunity. Um, and I would just ask questions and I would learn and I would listen. Um, and the staff there were phenomenal um, with, with helping out. And so that first fall was going from small town rec soccer to, you know, the ACC in a stadium of 4,000 people, I was like, what happened to me here? Like, where did this go right for me? Um, and uh, fortunately, I've done at least a decent enough job that they've kept, <laughs> they've kept me around for the past uh, four years. Um, and that's been good. So uh, that first, and I feel like my PhD is still, I'm still in the middle of it. And I've learned, I went from learning 5% of the game to learning maybe 10% of the game. And, and every day uh, that we go to work, I'm learning something new just because of the staff and the, the conversations that we have daily as a staff um, is, is really phenomenal. That's awesome. And so for you, like when you started going through this, like it, it obviously opened up some other doors for you too. Can you kind of talk about like after Virginia, like 
I mean, I know you, you worked, you've worked a little bit with the national team. You, you I mean, you've worked a little bit around, like talk about those experiences that kind of stemmed after the Virginia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Steve and uh, Ron, the associate head coach, and uh, Jaime Frias, the, you know, our assistant coach, the, their networks are incredible. Being around the national team with Steve, being around the Phil national team, Jaime, uh, coming back from working with the full time with the youth national setups, uh, Ron in the recruiting worlds, uh, their their networks are, are unbelievable. And I've just been fortunate enough to kind of filter in and find some people within that network that has been that has been great. Um, it's uh, I now find myself uh, to a certain extent in a position where a lot of people come to me or are calling me and saying, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Can you help? And I think that's a huge part of, of what I can give back is helping people. Um, for me, it's helping people with their processes. I'm not going to say, here's what you should and should not code. And here's how you should look at the game. Cause for me, that's all about what is your program about? How do, how do you want to run your program? What do you want to coach? What is your coaching philosophy? And everything from that has to, everything that we do from an analytical basis has to stem from, from that. But the processes has been, um, and how you kind of get to that and how you maybe start thinking about some things I feel like I can help guide. Um, so I started to have some conversations um, just with some of the other coaches within the youth national teams. Um, and uh, Tyler Heaps, who is the director of um, performance analytics with the national team, um, has became a, a colleague and somebody that I bounced some ideas off of. And so he brought me into some of the youth, the youth national team camps as we have tried to streamline you know, the, the analytical process and what does that mean for the youth teams and how does that then help the national team understand the, you know, the performances of the youth team basis. Um, and then getting an opportunity to, from that work with coaches within the NWSL and different, different groups there of, hey, we don't really have an analytical department we've kind of done this before, but is there, what are your thoughts on helping us work through this? And from the bigger picture of uh, the processes to the little picture, picture of, Hey, I'm trying to learn sports. <laughs> Can you help me? You know, just having some zoom meetings with some coaches who are really now just trying to get into the work of, you know, is this the right way to build a code window or, you know, and, and, and helping them through that. And, um, you know, getting an opportunity to be part of uh, small groups that are talking about different analytics. It's, it's, been, it's been phenomenal. And I'd like to continue to grow, you know, in those roles um, with, uh, with helping other programs or uh, leagues and, and, and whatnot grow their analytical department that is special to them. Um, but also as an analyst, working with the national teams is definitely something that I want to uh, continue in addition to to working with Virginia, which is, you know, where my, my heart lies in regards to these projects. So I'm currently uh, doing some schoolwork and I just actually had to put in a, uh, a thesis for a uh, research paper that I'm doing. And you talking about analytics kind of makes me think of it, except for the fact that I cannot remember what my thesis statement was. But I do know uh, that some years ago I did a research paper on um, KPIs, uh, key performance indicators, because um, we had um, the staff that I was in um, at the time at Division One school. Our head coach had done a presentation at the uh, United Star Coaches Association convention, um, and so we just kind of put something together, and it made me think like, okay, here's what I want to do. So 
for me, I, I'm not a math person. I was a broadcasting major. And uh, so math is not my thing. So when it comes to data and analysis and, and coming up with these key performance indicators, um, what is it, you know, where do you have your most correlation of like, what is a, uh, a statistic that you've come up with that, or not maybe so that you come up with, but the one that you find the most is the most successful uh, that teams use? Um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I think that that, I think it's all relative into your how you're collecting data or what data you're using. So I think that for us, we're looking at it in regards to how, what is our style of play? How do we think that's going to be successful the way that we play? And then thinking about metrics for us that makes sense. So if we're going to ask our players to do X, Y, Z, because we think it's going to be successful, I have to figure out a way of quantifying did we do well at X, Y, and Z. So a couple of the key things um, that I think are really important is understanding how you get into uh, XG is this whole world of analytics of expected goals that I think is a really you know, sophisticated and mathematical way of saying, can you get yourself into the best position to put the ball in the back of the net? So for us, we look at um, all these performance indicators that are we keeping the ball? Are we penetrating? Are we penetrating into the right areas? Are we creating dangerous chances? Are we scoring? And then on the flip side, are we stopping players from penetrating into our final third, getting into dangerous areas, preventing them from scoring goals? Um, and so we'll look at those kind of areas in a lot of detail um, to ensure that our performance indicators match what we're asking of our players. So we break the game down based on our style of play, attacking and defending. And then we look at that style within themes or within phases. And then within that, we try and break down our performance. Can we quantify moments of our performance? So for us, passing and possession are important, but we don't want to just know, did we complete X amount of passes based on this amount of, of passes? Yeah. Uh, you know, are there, well, are there, so I, now I'm, my thesis is starting to come back to my head now. Um, Cause uh, I think uh, if I remember correctly, it's a, basically about higher level of performance within training rather than in a game setting. So are there KPIs that one would use, or, you know, is there analysis that one would use in a training session compared to a game or you know, is there one that you can use for training, but you really don't want to use in a game setting? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, we try. I don't have too many of them, so thank you for saying that. <laughs> that you said really it twice now. You got in man. That's a really good question. He doesn't get those all the time. Ailey is over here putting me over like crazy, and I don't, I don't know what to do at this moment in time. It's a really that is a really good question. I'm not sure that there's anything in training that we would chart that we don't look at in game. So we will when we're doing finishing exercises or we're doing exercises to go. We do track shots on target crosses efficiency um, we will tag that in practice and we still try and keep the same things that we are asking for players in a game can we make sure that we're hitting x amount of our crosses on target what is the you know what is our success rate at that and we'll chart that in practice so that we can always come back to that if we can hit um, x amount of shots on target 
that's good. We're going to train it. It's going to happen in games. Um, I'm not sure that we track anything in practice that doesn't relate to the game. Um, we chart, obviously chart a lot more within the game uh, than we do in practice. And that's just uh, uh, from a time standpoint as well, especially because I'm the one that tracks almost all of that. Um, that's a, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but we do look at specific things in practice that we will chart to help us for a specific opponent. So for example, we chart a game, we have a general game plan, like an overall season. Here's all the KPIs we want to hit every game. So we chart every single game the same, the same way in regards to what we're looking at. But there might be an opponent who has a specific style of play that we might be able to expose in a different way. When we're then training, we will then look to chart, are we doing a good job of exposing those deficiencies? And we will then continue to push that over a couple of training sessions to, to help us through. So if we find that there's spaces in particular areas of a back line that we can expose with specific runs, we will chart that in practice to say, listen, we had an opportunity to expose the space 10 times and we only did it twice. Why was that? Can we make it better? And so maybe some of those things, but not specific KPIs overall. Is there, in, I, I was very lucky when we did the KPIs at University of Arizona, it was something that they had kind of done, they just never called it that, but there was things that they had the players when uh, the day after a game, the players would review the film themselves uh, and they had a little worksheet where they tallied um, various um, statistics that we were looking at. And then we, obviously that'd give us the talking points in individual meeting and then give us numbers that we could go back and say, Hey, here, when we take at least 10 shots, we're scoring a goal and we're winning those games. Um, now with me going into a new team, uh, I just started with a women's NAIA program uh, in the last seven weeks uh, for a team that, KPIs have probably never been a thing there. Analysis of data has probably never been a thing there. For a coach who's listening to this and now thinking of like, oh, like these are things I'd like to incorporate into my program, what is the best way to introduce it to players so that now maybe that's kind of in their mind of, okay, here's stuff that we're tracking. Here's what we would like to, you know, here's what we should be trying to do in a game. Yeah, I think that that's um, with some some coaches that maybe haven't had the the opportunity to uh, to do some of those. Um, something, some of the things that are most simplest, I think, are some of the best. Um, um, I I was part of a I went through a course a couple of years ago when it was uh, first starting up Coach Tech, um, who. Um, one of their suggestions was actually, and you hit the nail right on the head, actually having their players do their own shot charts. Um, and I thought that was just incredible. Um, in, in having a, 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 a scenario where your forwards or even your, your midfielders go in and um, at the end of every game when they're watching, put little colored stickers, they create their own grid and put little color stickers. Red was a shot off target. Yellow was a shot on target. Green was a goal over the course of games. And they just keep adding to their short chart. And then all of a sudden you're starting to build your own picture of, Ooh, this is where all the red shots are happening. Maybe I shouldn't take shots from here, or here's where my shots are on target. You start to create kind of like an understanding of where good shots come from, where, where bad shots come from to a certain extent, those really simple things where you can get players to, to buy in on it on their own, um, I think are absolutely huge and super simple, very cheap to do. Um, players watching their own film, I think is very important. Um, and being able to have access to their own film is very important. Um, 
national league share, which is a hot topic right now within the, the, the women's division program, I think will be huge. Uh, and that gives colleges opportunity to share film, which I think is incredibly important. I think that all games should be available. I'm a big believer in just putting the information out there. And if you're good enough, smart enough, and, and willing enough, you're going to be able to find, you know, find important things there. Um, so uh, having players being able to, to watch film and, and break it down, um, you know, the simple questions to ask is how do we want to score goals? What is our team's strengths? And how do we exploit those strengths? So if you have, you know, really pacey players um, that can maybe get in behind, maybe part of your strategy is, can we get in behind the opposition's back line? And that might be something you chart. How often do you get in behind the opposition's back line? And from there, how many times do you get into the danger zone? How many times do you create a quality chance? How many times do you score a goal? And can you get those percentages, you know, incrementally higher as, you know, as you continue to work on it? And that might be something very simple of, that might be how my team wants to play because that's the strength. How do I quantify if I get in behind the opposition, you know, 10 times, can I get into the danger zone five times? Can I get a quality chance three times? Can I get a goal? Whatever that, you know, those the thought process, I think simply looking at how do I want to score goals and then figuring out quantifiable ways to look at that. I think there's really basic and then it helps your players understand you know, and influences what, again, what your style of play is, what it is you're trying to do, and why do these statistics matter based on all of that? Um, because there's so many statistics out there that just don't maybe make sense for your team. And that's where the key component comes into. What do you, what does your team want to achieve? What are you asking of your players? And then can you quantify that and help them grow and learn as players from that? That's, that's perfect. Because actually my next question was, are there statistics that you found that coaches overvalue that aren't useful at all? Um, I mean, the simple one of number of passes and pass completion. I mean, I think it's simple. I think it's, I mean, you can pass the ball a thousand times and have a 90% pass completion, but what does that actually mean? And I think that's just the easiest one to, to, to be able to say. Um, I think that it's always good, you know, to, have your players say that we completed X amount of passes, but again, it has to be, uh, do you break lines with your passes? Are you, um, you know, finding the correct players with your passes? When you pass the ball to somebody, is it an opportunity for them to be able to penetrate off of your pass? Or are you always passing the ball to somebody with their back to goal? So it's always coming back. And do you pass the ball across your own 18 yard box when the other team's in their own half, you know, just to build your statistics? Um, you know, that, that's just a, 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 a one, um, that's right off the top of my head is I think for us, because we do so much detail in passing, uh, because we're a possession based team and passing isn't passing is important to us. And based on the majority of teams that we play, we get the ball a lot. So for us, if we, you know, we have to ensure that what we're doing with the ball, um, is more than just getting 500 passes and can we complete 90% of those. There has to be more in-depth analysis on our end of, of what, what that matters. Um, XG is a big hot topic. You know, the expected goals and what that means. I think it's, I think it's very difficult um, unless you're using 
it, if you're using well, if you're using a data frame that already has it built in, Instat, Y Scout, some of these other data frames that have their own metrics for XG, I think is okay. I'm not sure that I. It's okay from an overall perspective, but if you're really looking for detail within your own team, I think you have to be, you know, a little bit more considerate of what's going into those components. Yeah, no, that one's a funny one too. I, cause I, I honestly don't know all what goes into it, but I remember like Premier League started using it a ton this year and I'd be watching games and like the expected goals and like, again, being a Liverpool fan, like we outshot that like every single game. It'd be like expected goals, like two, and it'd be like a five nothing game. It'd be like, how did they only have that many? Like I, I always was just confused about where the number comes from. What, where does that number come from? Um, it's a, it's essentially, it's a, it's a number that's based on, uh, the shot type and it's essentially, it comes from, if you have this exact shot over the course of a hundred times, how many are you going to score? And then what goes into the algorithm is, um, how far away you are from the goal, how many defenders are in the way between you and the goal, the angle you are to the goal. Um, is it a header? Is it a, you know, is it a header or is it a strike? Uh, with your feet? Is it coming from across um, the goalkeeper's positioning? So there's all these different things that go into that particular metric. Um, the, the top levels of the men's game have um, a gazillion data points that they can pull to create that and make it a clean metric. Um, I do think there's a difference at times between the men's and the women's game. So I think it's I think you have to be cautious about using an XG that's built for the men's professional league and pulling that into NCAA women's soccer. Cause I, I think that, I think that, you know, what they might classify as a 0.05 XG is maybe more likely to be scored in the women's game because of the caliber of goalkeepers for say, or, you know, so that's just an interesting one for me that we do not use per se in Virginia women's soccer. Gotcha. Um, to switch gears a little bit, one of the things that I really enjoy about you, and you kind of touched on it earlier, is the content that you're putting out there. And it's one of the things that I really like is I've read a few of your articles as well. Where, where did this passion for like writing and getting stuff out there in that capacity come from? Um, yeah, that is super outside of my comfort zone. Uh, I must admit, I'm not a huge, um, I'm not a, I like to do all my work kind of like on the down low and and create some things. So to kind of put it out there in the public public sector, especially a couple of the articles was, was hard for me. Um, but I, I feel like for me, there's so much out there right now on the, on Twitter and on social media and all these new magazines that are coming out. It's so based on the men's game um, that there's very little out there that is based on the, the women's game. And so when I have a little extra time to look at, um, to look at the game from a, from a, you know, just from a more in-depth view and maybe give some, some ideas about the true quality of what the women's game could be. Um, and some statistics to back that up and then some visuals, um, you know, to be able to show that on film as well. Well, here's what the stats are saying. Here's how it looks. Um, you know, this is how they work together, but really basing it on the women's game, I think is, I think is important. There's just not enough of that out there. Um, and so I think that if I can put some of it out there and maybe start, you know, other people thinking about it, I think it's super, super important. Um, but as I said, I, I normally have to get forced to do things like that. And people have to ask me more than once 
for me to, to eventually get it done um, to be able to put that out in the, the public sector. But I think there is a, an appetite for it. I think that people want more um, of, of that. Um, and uh, for me, it's uh, things that are visually appealing, I think is really important as well, because it's what's going to ca capture people's eyes. You know, there's all the data out there in the world, but you got to sell it and you got to sell your idea based on that. And so for me, uh, everything I do with data has to come with video. Um, even with our players, with all of our stuff, if I can't look at the NIP on a video and, and put it into a soccer context, then I'm not necessarily going to use it. So any data that I do find, I try and put that into a, a video setting. And, and as you know, I had said it earlier, I'm fortunate that I do get a, an opportunity to work with different softwares, whether it's something that our football team has got their hands on or whether it's something that somebody's moved to a new company and has a, a beta test of a new product. I kind of get an opportunity to try some of those things. So some of those videos with the cool visuals is generally me just beta testing a product, <laughs> which is pretty neat, which is pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, the first time I ever uh, found your stuff was, I, I mean, it, like uh, you kind of touched on it. There's not a ton of that analysis for the women's game. Um, and I remember probably the first one I ever saw would have been uh, probably close to this time last year, right before the, the women's world cup. And I mean, you were analyzing, I, I wish I remember, I know, I know you had one with Julie Ertz, but I think, I don't think it was that one. I remember the first one I saw and like, when did they, did you get a lot, like when you started putting those out there, especially right before the world cup, because I remember you were putting them out a lot. Did, what kind of feedback were you getting from everyone? Like either through Twitter or external about the types of stuff you were putting out? Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely, my Twitter followers grew, uh, for sure. I had to, uh, got a little overwhelming i'm still at a very low number i would say in comparison to, uh, to a lot of people but um you know it was good feedback a lot of people were excited that it was kind of going going out there it was something a little different for the for the women's game um part of uh, i feel like you know one of my my strengths which you know potentially at times could be a weakness is the way that i'm now able to watch a game i watch it from a very analytical eye so i'm not just watching it always for the beauty i'm watching when I watch the game, I, I'm focused on how are they getting into the final third? What are some of the tendencies? What are some of the things that key players are doing to help us or to help the team that I'm watching um, be successful? Or what are some of the things that are happening that cannot? So as I'm watching a game, I'm, I'm clipping some things that I'm seeing originally um, that I'm seeing as I'm watching the game. So I'm able to kind of put them out as the, the game was happening. And I think that you know, I did some stuff during the She Believes last year, not this past one, but the, the one before at halftime or during some, some games. And, uh, you know, that was good because people were able to, it was fresh in their memories of, of what happened. And um, for the most part, people would agree. Uh, not that I need people to agree, but they thought it was good. And some people would question it. Um, and, you know, I think it's always healthy to have a debate. I think um, one of the posts that I put out there was, uh, it was it was in regards to a goal that was scored and I felt that you know um it was poor defending the defender should have stepped better and some people didn't agree with that and it was a healthy debate and I think that that's important and if we can put more things out there um where people are at least talking about it and, and getting into good discussions I think was, was great the feedback has been awesome I would love to do more uh for sure um but you know, during like our season and even during the, the downtime in the spring, um, I'm, I do so much work because 
the analytics that we do in-house at Virginia is, is all done in-house. Um, we don't use an outside data provider for any of our data. So I clip and, and create uh, databases and data frames. Um, I spend a lot of my time on our own stuff, uh, which is very difficult to publish, <laughs> which is almost impossible to put out there um, until maybe even the end of the season. But yeah, so I'd like to do more, but time is, time is tough. Yeah, I, I feel like you, you know, you just mentioned like you guys do all your data stuff in house while everybody else is paying for these companies. What is your value? How much are you worth right now? Like, you know, everybody's paying all these companies from all over the world to do to, to mail their video to them and, and they, you know, send back all the analysis by the next day. Like, girl, you're sitting on a gold mine right now. And you could be like the most valuable person in this whole thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. A lot of she's people, like, yeah, about that. Yeah, <laughs> about that. Um, with all the college uh, stuff budgets being cut right now. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 very interesting. We have access to other data based on things like the Instat League share that we use for the ACC, and we can get access to all of the data that Instat wants to put out there, or Y Scout, or whoever we end up using. Um, we just don't feel that it's specific enough and um, specific enough to our needs based on uh, what it is that we um, are asking of our players. So as I said, it's hard to ask your players to do something and then if the data is not backing that up or not clean enough. Um, so it's so important to us. We base a lot of our decisions on our film and the way that it's broken down. It's so integrated into our culture and integrated into our workflow. Um, that if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Uh, I'm at training every day. I'm at uh, games every day. So I have such a intimate relationship with what our coaches are asking of our players. So therefore the data will, will, will match that. Um, and it's not like an outsider saying this was a pass when I don't agree that that's a pass. Uh, I could pass the ball to you, Sean, and it could hit off of Nick's face and drop at your feet and they would classify that's a pass from Nick. And I, I, those are just some, some things that I think inherently from, from our program are very, you know, we want the data to be the best possible data. So um, we decided that we would do our data collection in house. Now that's a big job on, on my end. Um, but it means I can believe in, and if we're going to use it, we can believe in it. Um, a big part of, uh, of what I, I think that I'm, I'm able to do and maybe this is, uh, you know, part of what what the growth of, of my evolution is, is continuing to help people, you know, other programs. And I spend a lot of time with other coaches of, of other Division One programs that we compete with on what is your process? How can I help you? Can I help you set up, you know, what it is you're trying to analyze? Here's how I think that could help you. Um, and so for me, I always feel like it's an open door policy and that's very, uh, very unique within us in, in uh, Virginia. We do allow a lot of other programs to come in and see what we do. Um, we don't shy away from that. So we do give a lot of help to other programs if they're interested in learning more about the analytics. Um, it's a very time consuming job. Uh, I spend a lot of time watching a lot of film, but uh, the rest of our staff are bought into it. They do a lot of work with film as well. Um, we're all on the same page and, and I probably, you know, they're, they're as much of a goldmine to me with their minds as I am probably to them. We, we make it work. Um, 
we value it that much that it's important to us. Um, and I think that as, you know, as people continue to grow in their soccer world, I think that data is going to be, data is going to become more important and it's going to be whether you value the data enough to do it yourself um, or, you know, you can use an outside company and it gives you more time. Um, we just don't feel that it's as specific to our needs. So I think it was a long way around saying that, yes, uh, a bit of a gold mine. Uh, I'm pretty unique. I'm also one of very few people that I think of programs that have their own full-time performance analyst within a collegiate program. Um, but I think others could do it, um, even Not in a I. extent. Not <laughs> I. <laughs> yes, you could. You know, I it took me forever just to be able to do the research paper on it. Uh, but I think, uh, as my wife would say, I have really bad ADD. Um, I don't know if I could really focus to uh, uh, to be able to watch that. That's why, like, I was uh, when I, my first time really experiencing with that analysis, I was just like, "Oh, they've got to add all this up and watch it." Sweet, yeah. awesome. No math for me. <laughs> um, you know what? You have such you bring such an interesting um discussion to the table i know we've got some uh some followers on our, our twitter accounts and listeners of our show who are various analysts um of their programs uh whether they're a, a strength analyst or they're an, a data analysis or they're a video analyst uh things along those lines and so i'm sure that there's going to be a lot of coaches who are very interested um in what you're doing obviously you know you've got your twitter account going uh where people can follow along stuff with there but if somebody's listening to this um because at soccer chat we we've, we've created this network i don't want to say we've created but this network has been built where coaches have just been reaching out and bouncing questions or asking hey how do you do this or you know now obviously we're not giving away all the secrets but you know just being able to answer um any questions they may have you know, what are all the ways that, that people can get a hold of you? I know you got your Twitter account um, that you post up there as well, but you know, if somebody's listening to this and they're now intrigued by the whole uh, analysis part of the game and thinking that it may give them that extra step, you know, how can they reach out to you? Yeah. Um, super, super open for, for people to, to reach out with me uh, on Twitter. Um, I do get a lot of uh, requests of, of people asking some questions or, you know, asking how they can maybe get started uh, in this world. Uh, my email is on the Virginia Women's Web Women's Soccer website, and I get emails, um, you know, of people again just asking. Uh, generally, I am very willing to help everybody, uh, competitors, you know, people that we compete with on a on a seasonly basis. Uh, I think it's really worthwhile to have discussions um, and to help people along. I think it's only going to enhance uh, the game uh, for sure. Uh, email and, and Twitter, uh, I think, are definitely the easiest way. And once I connect with somebody either of those two ways, then it just becomes a, a text message of people shooting me text messages saying, asking me how to do things or asking me a quick question. And I, I'm pretty much always available and willing to help. So uh, email on the Virginia Women's Soccer website um, and, and Twitter would probably be the two best ways. Ailey Thompson, Virginia Cavaliers. Thank you so much for coming on uh, and joining and telling us your story. And, and again, too, getting us, um, I think when, when we think of analysis, a lot of people just instantly like think of like nerds in a science lab, sitting there crunching numbers and stuff like that. Um, even though of the three people on this call, two of us have glasses, so we maybe fit the mold uh, in all this. But, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and going that deep into, uh, you know, the other side of the game, because we've mentioned on the show before is, um, you know, my first boss in the college game always said, you had to be good at coaching and something else. 
and there's so many other things out there that coaches are looking to be good at. And, you know, whether it's uh, communications using social media, maybe it's creating content. And also this side is becoming very popular of the analysis side. Uh, you know, we just want to thank you for coming on and, and, and sharing your story and, and getting more people interested in that side of coaching. Uh, anytime. It, it, it was awesome. I really appreciate you guys. spoke to it perfectly well right before we went to the interview that if you're not following this person on Twitter and you are a women's soccer coach or even a men's soccer coach, you are, you are missing out because the analysis, the video, everything that Ailey puts out is just incredible. I, I remember like honestly, the first time I ever interacted with her and I actually gave her crap for this when we saw our convention this year, because I saw a bunch of analysis that she was putting out during the women's world cup this time last year. And also was it yesterday or two days ago was exactly a year from us winning the four star. Um, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yep. Yep. Um, and so it was around like a, a month, a year, and a month ago when I started sawing, seeing her videos, I forget who was following her to be honest. And I followed her and actually like shot her a message. I, I slid into our DMS and I was like, dude, you need, need to get on our show, blah, blah, blah. And never got a reply. And then I gave her, I, I found, uh, so Chris Hot Thompson at VMI knew her through the grapevine. They're both in Virginia, I guess. So like, maybe that's it. Um, but, and uh, he, I told, I was like, I, he was like, oh yeah, I was working with like Ailey the other day and blah, blah. I was like, dude, you need to tell her to get back to my message because we've been trying to get her on the show. And then we saw our convention at the women's soccer coaching party. And uh, she like came up and <laughs> introduced herself and she's like, I actually love what you're doing. It's like, Dude, they respond to my message. We're trying to get you on the show, um, but she's awesome. She's such good people. And again, another one that if you if you follow her social media feed, like I mean, we, we I think of anyone like that uh, that of uh, it. We should say of anyone, but she's definitely one of the many people that follow the show that I think would truly appreciate the fact that we use this last month to just continue to put out the Black Lives Matter show. Because if you look at how she is and what she advocates for. Um, on her Twitter and stuff like that. She's a person that is very passionate about that subject, which just speaks volumes, not only about her as a person, but just overall in the things that she does and the way that she conducts herself. So I think of anyone, she not of anyone, I don't want to keep saying that because there's definitely a lot of other people, but she's definitely one of the people that I think would be very supportive of what we wanted to do with, with that show to continue to get their message out there. Absolutely. She's a fantastic follow, fantastic coach. And at some point, uh, one of us is we're going to get her to coach with us and do all of this analysis for us. And the way she breaks the game down, um, you know, like, like we said during the show, there are so many coaches who are paying companies to do what she can do herself. Yes. Uh, and that's making, that's just making her even more invaluable uh, to whatever program uh, she's involved with uh, as her career goes on. And I, I think the sky's the limit obviously for her and you know just a super nice person like you said uh she introduced herself to us at convention uh and we like, i think we i know myself i was a little bit more starstruck again for for meeting her than probably the opposite side um but again that's really i mean that's the beauty of all this is social media this podcast um our coaching network has 
given all these people the ability to showcase their their skills and not saying that she's not a good coach obviously knows the game and everything but you know uh, like i've said before my my coaching mentor always said you've got to be good at soccer coaching good at coaching and one other thing and her one other thing is just crunching numbers getting data and analyzing it which is what a data analysis does that's my smart talk for the day um you know she's super super awesome and again if you're not following her on twitter you're not doing twitter right that's that's all i can say you're not doing twitter right if you're not following her no absolutely and uh yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I was feeling a pretty good buzz at the party, so that's probably why I was a little less starstruck. <laughs> at the time. I just think I didn't, I probably wasn't fully in control of my senses to realize who I was talking to. And how, Nick was how, in the zone. <laughs> he had just ran 26 but, uh, miles around the city of Baltimore and then started drinking beers. Yeah, no, honestly, like that was exactly what happened. So it was just, I, I think, especially at that point of the night, it was later in the night, and I, I had a pretty good buzz going, to be honest. So <laughs> it, was, it was probably, it probably helped me out to have a little bit more liquid courage to, to talk to her and then have the courage to talk to her. Well, cool, man. Any, uh, any, anything you want to chat before we get out of here? I'm, the, the only reason why we're going fast is we're recording this on Wednesday, and Quinn has a game tonight. Um, and I'm like, I'm at work currently and want to make sure I can get over to watch, uh, watch Quinny do her thing. So any, uh, anything else going on you need to, I mean, how many, uh, I don't know. You still got, uh, 7,000 people come to your, your shindig seven Kelly was at seven twenty three right now. That number has got to go oh, up. Left the room. I think we're at seven twenty three right now. That number has got to go up. We yeah, gotta, I mean, we gotta, we gotta get eight hundred. Apparently, one person's not gonna giving a. We're not giving a date to one person. I guess I don't know. It's like normally, it's like the number is like people plus, plus like one. A, like a date. Yeah, yeah. and so like because we're giving everyone plus one. We're like, ah, it's buffet food. You guys will be fine. <laughs> Are you gonna be able to do a buffet? Yeah, so we got buffet. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, things might change by COVID. Because like every, because I was gonna say, because like every buffet is closed right now, and like the talk is that like. But like this is what's going to kill buffets. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, again, we're a, like still like eleven months away from our wedding, so like hopefully by the time everything gets figured, hopefully we get a vaccine by like January and everything's or that or everyone is we've been able to find another way to treatment treat it, whether with plasma and stuff. So like the people are healthy and stuff like that, even the people that have gotten it already. Um, but. Yeah, so who knows? Uh, but we do have buffet. We got fried chicken, beef tips, um, and then like mashed potatoes. It's like it's like an old school like country buffet. But yeah, you're speaking my language. The fried chicken's good. We tried it already. Already? Dang. Yeah. No, Thanks I mean, for like, the you invite. Gotta, like, test that stuff out, I guess. I, don't know. I did when we got ours. I, I did. We didn't. I did not test anything. I don't. Even, I don't think we, we just trusted the people. It was like, hey, just did make you it. Did you cake or did you do like something else for the dessert? Yeah. Yeah, we, we had multiple cakes. What? Okay, so that we're doing three, because like we had Kelly's like the wedding cool. cake, and there was like some other cake, and then there was the groom's cake. Yeah, which I that makes no sense. no one touched the groom's cake, not even me. That was that was that was <laughs> that was gonna say that was Sean's cake. Um, it was my cake. It was my cake. Famous yeah, famous uh, picture of the cake on my on my Facebook. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Yeah, we got we got vanilla because Kelly's boring, uh, chocolate for me, and then red velvet. It's a forever. very bold assumption you just made there <laughs> for your wedding day. She, she eats all plain foods. Uh, like I like literally only likes like vanilla and like anything just as plain as you could possibly imagine. You'd think that you would have known that before you like asked her. 
Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, I, I might just speak to me being very boring. Like, she's like, ah, so he kind of fits my taste. He's just very boring. <laughs> That's a good way to spin it back around and get yourself out of that hole. That was, that was well played. Very clutch move on your part. Uh, <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> as we said you know before the show started this is a uh, listener supported podcast we can't do the show without people like yourself who's listening to this so if you can help us out just share the links when we put them out every single week on all of our social media pages uh and you know let your friends know that you're listening let us know what you're listening join us on wednesday nights at 9 30 p.m eastern time on twitter just follow the hashtag soccer chat where you can submit your questions that way and answer a q a one with coaches from all around the globe popping on there every single week as well as we got our college coaches zoom call which have been incredible the last few weeks uh if you're a college coach just shoot me a dm um we'll get you added to that group because apparently when i send a bunch of links out twitter thinks that i'm spamming people and they shut my dms down now i'm trying to keep them dms open so uh we got a, a group text that we have together that uh we put the links in there where you can get it every single week so college coaches let us know if you want to get involved in those calls no matter your division d1 d2 d3 junior college nai nccaa uh and the other two that i know that i'm missing um, you know, all divisions are covered. All leagues are covered. We want you guys to join in with us as we all kind of talk about how we're handling all this craziness that's going on. Speaking of craziness, you get a crazy sweet discount by going to dutickbrand.com. Dutickbrand.com. Use the promo code Soccer Chat at the end of checkout to make sure that you get yourself a sweet discount. Also, go to torx.com for the world's greatest ball pump that you will ever have. And you're going to need to be pumping those balls up here pretty soon. We hope. He's Nick. I'm Sean. And the best part about all this is I forgot to ask what your Twitter name was. Nick, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, oh. how can they do so on Twitter? At Coach N. Rizzo. What about you, brother? And mine is at Coach Sauterly. And yes, Soccer Chat, it's more than just a podcast. It's more than just Twitter chat. It's a community. It's a network. It's a family of coaches all around the world that are helping each other out. And the best part about Soccer Chat is we get to do this all over again next week. He's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. See you later, brother. Thank <laughs> you.